Welcome to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner, a show about shifting our individual and collective beliefs on what is possible for the future of humanity. As our understanding of how our reality continues to shift, we are at a point of reunification between science and spirituality. What does the world look like when we break free from the generational trauma that has kept most humans playing small for thousands of years and step into our full power as the co-creators of this reality? I always ask that you keep an open mind with this podcast. Ask yourself what resonates with my truth at this time and what does not. Respect your intuition, but see if you can get through the whole show because there might be that little nugget buried deep in the conversation that unlocks something for you. Welcome back, everyone, to Changing the Channel. I have a wonderful sister joining me today. Her name is Laura Hughes, and she is an award-winning PhD researcher and naturopathic doctor, but is not your typical academic. She's strayed from the traditional path to bridge the gap between hard data and the magic of being human, and loves helping people reach their full potential where science meets spirit. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. And for those at home, I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but we are we are filming this on January 1st, the start of 2024. So it's, a, it's an exciting energy. I've felt it all morning, uh, this kind of resurgence of that go-getter energy. So I'm excited to have this conversation and very glad that it's happening exactly when it is. Yes. When you sent me your calendar and I saw that January 1st was available, I was like, oh, that's a no brainer. (laughs) It's just such a perfect time to set intention, like reinvigorate conversation. So totally took advantage of that. Exactly. So I'm glad I could be that for you. So let's let's kind of dive in. I'm very interested. I'm always fascinated with people who go into the traditional route, who go into, you know, you went into medical school and, and spent all that time getting your medical degree and going into the medical field. And then something happened, something changed for you. And, and you said, this isn't the right way. And you actually took the steps, you went and, and found a new direction. So just kind of walk us through what that, what that journey was like for you and, and you know, for people who are out there who are in this more traditional uh, field uh, or any traditional field, like what is it like to take those steps out and really follow your passion and follow what your your truth really is? Yes, it's scary. I'm not going to lie, but so worth it. And a huge part of my message whenever I talk to people is that it's never too late to reinvent yourself. And I think that's part of the magic of being human. And a lot of us kind of find ourselves on these paths that other people have put us on or that we have unconsciously gone down and think it's too late. And I just want to assure people it's never too late. So yeah. I was always that girl, like overachiever, you know, wanted to make her parents happy, was told from a very young age that I was going to go to university. I was going to study science because that's just what I was going to do. And I did. And it was fine until it wasn't fine. So I kind of just kept going because I didn't know, like there was, there was definitely signs early on that it probably wasn't the right path for me. Like I loved reading. I loved writing. I loved photography. I love art. But my dad was very much, you're not going to get a job in those fields, you know, go do, get your degrees as far as you can go, and then, you know, treat those as hobbies. So kind of push that all aside. Found myself all the way to the end of my PhD and was very successful. Like I'm a Capricorn rising if you follow astrology. So, you know, have a plan, work hard, get things done. And it was the very, was yeah, it was the very last, I had just handed in my PhD thesis 
Um, so I studied epidemiology and epigenetics, which I'm sure we'll get to later in the conversation, but very, it was in the medical school in the Netherlands. I went over to Europe to, to do my PhD and it was Christmas. It was this time of year. And my, I got a phone call from home and my dad was sick and it just, it was kind of the first time in my body that I felt something like just an intuitive, like a real intuitive hit that something was wrong. And I was, um, I decided to come home. Um, long story short, my dad ended up having cancer and passed away two weeks later. And it really threw me for a loop because I had just spent three and a half years studying cancer. That was my whole PhD. And as you know, how in this day and age with all of our advances, with all of this amazing science and medicine, does someone not even know they have cancer and then die two weeks later? Like it was crazy. He had advanced kidney cancer. Um, so it really, it, in many ways, it was beautiful. It, it forced our family to come together really quickly, have very powerful conversation, um, connection with the divine when he passed. Um, but also, you know, I had just committed my life to this scientific path because if you go into a PhD, essentially you're expected to do a postdoc and maybe become a professor and be on this one research track. And I said, my life is too short. I'm not passionate about this. You know, my dad is gone now. What's the point of anything? What am I going to do with my life? And just in a few instances that we had with his medical care at one of the very best cancer hospitals in Toronto, it just, it put a really bad taste in my mouth for lack of a better explanation. Um, and I know, you know, the, the medical system's very overburdened, but I think we've outsourced way too much of our power to it. And I knew that I wanted to get out of research and help people more one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I thought about like traditional medical school and then just realized after that experience with him that it wasn't the way for me, that that wasn't going to change anything in my life, let alone help me help other people. And stumbled across naturopathic medicine, which in Canada, I'm in Canada, and I know you're in the States, but also in the States, there's naturopathic physicians. So we're essentially primary care physicians. We're trained as primary care physicians. But instead of um, focusing on treating symptoms and using pharmaceuticals, we focus much more on finding the root cause of a, of a condition, reconducting to nature. The modalities are nutrition, movement, plants, homeopathy, acupuncture, stuff like that. So committed to four years of doing that after my PhD. So I was in my 30s. All my friends were buying houses, having children. And that's what made me feel crazy and like scared. Because <laughs> so I was like, what, do, what am I doing? Um, and, you know, went into that program very, you know, again, with a plan. Like, okay, I have all this research experience, all this, you know, background in science and cancer. So I'm going to go through naturopathic medical school and come out on the other side and help people naturally with cancer. It just seemed like the logical thing. So my brain was still very much involved in this process at this time. So logic was taking over everything, my brain over my heart. My heart was not involved at all. And the turning point for me was actually probably my second or third week in the program. Um, there's one class called Philosophy of Naturopathic Medicine, which everyone skipped. There was like maybe 10 people in the class out of 100 because everyone was in the library studying anatomy and biochemistry. But I was curious. And we had this professor who was a veterinarian, had a PhD, and was also a naturopathic doctor. And he gets up there and he starts telling the story about dolphins coming from Sirius, like the galaxy Sirius. And I was like sitting there. I remember texting my friend being like, I don't know what I'm paying for. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I'd never heard anything like this. And I feel safe having this conversation on this podcast just because I sense your energy. But I went home and I like started looking like, what, what is serious? Dolphins? What? Like what? And what? what? <laughs> and it just woke up something inside of me that there was this whole different world of energy, of dimension, of 
possibility of why we're here that I'd never, ever experienced, but kind of had to stay in the closet around it because, you know, I was this PhD coming into, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it took probably another three years for me to fully come out when I was, you know, seeing patients and, uh, I realized that I couldn't just, I couldn't just help them even with the natural modalities. I couldn't help them unless we went there, unless we asked, you know, hard questions, unless we asked about emotions and feeling and the heart and intuition. And I know that it was a little bit scary because again, I had this conditioning for so many years that that wasn't the way that wasn't, you know, logical, that wasn't safe. But the people who I saw truly getting better were the people who we just had powerful conversation and then they were doing the healing. And of course I would give them things to support them, but that's where the magic really happened. So that's kind of my trajectory into that. Finally, a place for listeners to gather and share. Join the Ascension Update Substack for messages and updates from our brothers and sisters helping with the Ascension, articles on the future of humanity, and a Q&A where you can ask my guides anything you would like. This is the hub for everything Ascension related. Click the link in the show notes or go to joegarner.substack.com to stay at the leading edge of this movement. And now, back to the show. Yeah, that is fascinating and and kind of mirroring a little bit of my trajectory. I'm I'm maybe a year or two behind you on that trajectory, but just that that feeling, I know that feeling that you're talking about where you know, you're learning these new things. You're you're experiencing these new perspectives of of the reality that you thought you existed in. And you're like, this makes more sense yes. than all the other things that I've ever believed in, but nobody else has that feeling. And, yeah. and it's more, it's basically like a remembering. You're remembering a part of yourself that you forgot before you came to, you know, this third dimensional reality, this human body. You know, you you kind of forget all of that stuff before you come here. And now you're re-remembering, you're, you're bringing it back into your energetic system, you're bringing it back into your, um, your, your neuro pathways, you're rewiring your brain essentially to have these new belief systems. And in that space, I mean, it's taken me a year to really get comfortable with, with who I truly am and the, the, the ideas that I'm kind of sharing with other people. But in that space, you know, it, it, it's scary and, and you know, it's so easy just to go back to the safe route, to go back to that old you that, uh, you know, was just go get the job, go have the kids, get the family, do the thing. And then maybe at 60, 65, you'll kind of figure out what life is really about. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. that's not what we're here to do. This is this is a time of change. This is a time of evolution in the human species. So let's yeah. get out and let's Let's do that now while also we can you can still do all that stuff while going through this process. It's not like you have to give everything up to, um, you know, we're not in in the Roman Catholic Church in the in the 12th century where you have to give everything up if you want to go down this spiritual path. Like you can have all of that and be in tune with who you truly are, like what your true essence really is. Yes, that's kind of my checkpoint is like, how dogmatic am I being right now? Because we are humans having a human experience in like the human reality. But as you said, it's this remembering. And this professor I'm talking about, he talked about truth with a capital T. And like that's that's what you're feeling is truth with a capital T. And that's what I had to really just create safety in myself for because I'd come from this world that's evidence-based and you need evidence and where's the clinical study? And you know, that's kind of what's made me roll my eyes the past few years with everything kind of going on in the world with health. Um, 
you know, demanding evidence. And I'm like, what if, you know, what if there is no evidence? And what if that's okay? <laughs> right. What if like the human experience and how we're experiencing something is what matters? And like how you feel that is how you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the evidence that can only be visible from the five senses. I mean, that's the evidence that the the reductionist scientific perspective is looking for. There, there's only five senses that you can experience all of the energy, the the entire spectrum of electromagnetic energy, even though it's, you know, 1% is what we're experiencing in the human physical vessel. Like that's all you can go when you're making what you're calling your truth. And it's like, no, 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 there's way, way, way more that, to that. And it's, it's a feeling, it's an energy. It's, it has nothing to do with, uh, what, you know, what the, uh, um, photonic, uh, microscope is telling you. It, it, it's everything to do with what's at the lower, what's at that lower, lower level below what we can actually see or touch or feel or hear, like what is at that level. And, <laughs> Um, you know, it's really exciting to me to have people like yourself that are taking this journey, that are going out and sharing their, you know, their, what they have come to share. Uh, and again, I, I think it does, it has everything to do with where we are in this evolution in humanity, where we're going from this very limited kind of separation consciousness that we've been experiencing on the planet for, for so many years. And we're moving towards this more harmonious, this more awakened um, kind of existence within the population. And of course, just like you and I have gone through this interesting period where we where we're kind of like shifting our belief systems and shifting our timeline and shifting our understanding of of what is really true about this reality, the collective has to go through that as well. So it's basically like the collective is going through this gigantic shift in understanding of what is possible in humanity and there's going to be fear there's going to be doubt there's going to be this you know scariness to it but we have to keep you know the the ones that have gone through that process have to be the ones kind of leading the way and drawing people towards that truth instead of just hey i figured it out i'm good to go so Absolutely. i love that, i love that you're still out there sharing it and and you know kind of helping people along the way and and for a lot of people i think they get they get a little it it's a part of the process right where you feel like you know i'm the only one in the world that that sees and understands this so i've got to be the one that's going to save the planet and it's like no 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 there's several million other people out there that are all going through this. They all understand this. They all know what's going on. And with technology, we're able to get all this information out faster and faster and faster. So the more we can do that, the better that the outcome is going to be, the less, you know, imagine if you had five or six of those professors that were kind of sharing this capital T truth with you and, and helping you along the way. Like, we're that for everybody else. And it, it's really cool. And to see everybody coming together and, and, creating new systems and new uh, these kind of new ways of doing things um it, it's kind of amazing to see I, I look at uh things like gaia television and, yes. and stuff like that where you know it's essentially teaching people about all of this the, these ideas and they're it's going from esotericism to exotericism where it's you know a part of the 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 general consciousness of the planet yeah, I totally agree. And it's so ironic because, as you said, you, you're kind of nervous, you're kind of scared as you're going through it. But I've never met anyone, maybe a few people, but like the majority of people who I talk about this with, who I think are going to judge me or who I think aren't going to get it, 
are actually super curious and almost relieved. And they'll come back a few months later being like, remember when we talked about, you know, aliens, <laughs> you know, whatever. I, I saw this thing and, and then they want to talk about it. And what you're doing is you're giving other people permission to think outside the box and to start changing their mindset and change their conditioning. Because if they see someone else going first and it's safe, that's how you, rip, you ripple out the effect. So I think, yeah, technology kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. But as you said, how would we be connecting like this to share right. with hundreds of other people if it wasn't for technology? So I think it's all happening in divine timing for sure. This yeah. planetary shift. Yeah, exactly. And and it's just like every other technology that's comes that comes out, like uh, the technology comes out, the level of consciousness uh, that humanity is at may not be at the right level just yet, but that technology allows for that that raising of the consciousness. So it's it's almost like the the whole cart before the horse thing like you almost you have to put that technology out even though people aren't ready for it otherwise they don't have the ability to kind of increase their level of consciousness of what is going on so that's that's basically where we're at with ai it's like a lot of people are very scared about what could happen with ai are we going to destroy ourselves are we going to you know um create this uh this like system that rules over all of humanity. And it's like, well, I mean, there that is definitely a possibility, but through AI, it's, it, it's this, the fastest way that you can learn anything in the world. I mean, you can literally type into AI anything about, you know, any question that you want and it spits back about 80% of what you need to know about that. And then you should continue to do your research. You shouldn't just take that as the gospel. You got to actually dig in and find a couple real world examples of, of what the, what AI is kind of telling you, but um, you know, it's making that process so much simpler. So the human species can get smarter and smarter, learn faster and faster and, and really start to uh, embody this intelligence that's, that's going around, uh, around the world. That's kind of been hidden and it's been hidden maybe because a lack of technology, maybe because there have been people who have wanted it hidden for whatever reason, whether that's nefarious or, you know, uh, they wanted it hidden because they didn't think humanity was ready for this information. Um, but for whatever reason, it's kind of been in this the 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 halls of the secret societies, and now it's really getting out. I mean, this if you know where to look, you can find any information about all all this stuff that even fifty years ago would have been completely hidden from sight. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it might be not be popular opinion because I know a lot of people are afraid of AI, especially maybe in the more spiritual esoteric world. But I think just as you were talking, it kind of landed for me for the first time that I think it might actually create more independent thinking and more expansion because for so long we have been, you know, everything that's thrown at us from the media, on the internet, on TV, on the radio is controlled by a few very you know, particular people or entities or companies. And I've actually been part, I did this as an experiment because I, I just wanted to know more. Um, I've been part of training a model, an AI model, just because I was really curious, like, how is this thing, you know, how does this work? And it's, it's actually a beautiful, it's, it was a beautiful experience helping this, this technology develop, not consciousness, but you could just see how I think the potential for manipulation is a lot less with AI. I think people might think it's higher, but I think it's actually a lot less. And as you said, people can start asking any question they want and not be afraid of who's going to judge them or, you know, it's a safe space for people to start asking questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then and getting answers that are coming from 
not just one or two or three human perspectives, mm-hmm. but like the collective uh, perspective yeah. of all of humanity, exactly. basically. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's taking all of that stuff and, and um, kind of putting it together into one usable uh, group of data, basically. Yeah. So all the information that all of humanity has ever kind of put together, we put it into this, this gigantic database, and now we're uh, mining it for information. And each one of these AIs is mining a different way and finding a little bit different perspective. And then they're putting all of those perspectives together. And that's what that's what the the general AI would be is the the AI of all the AIs that that we're putting together. And again, when you say that it sounds scary, especially if you have the perspective of AI is separate from, you know, humanity, and it's an us versus them kind of situation. But it, it could also be a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Tell us a little bit more about your PhD studies, epidemiology, and um, you were also studying um, epigenetics. Yeah, epigenetics. So, yeah, yeah. So epidemiology is is population medicine. So it's looking at how diseases. I think I think we probably all know the word epidemiology after COVID because it's how diseases spread in the population. Um, I got into it because I love the idea of being a medical detective and just. I love, maybe that's why I was interested in this AI model, just like love zooming out and looking at the bigger picture of things and then being able to zoom back in. But through that, epigenetics was a a topic that was just emerging as a kind of a buzzword. This is back in like 2007, 2008. It was on the cover of Time magazine. Um, you know, our genes are not our destiny. So it de- my PhD definitely took more of a bent towards the epi- epigenetic side and at the time, when I got to the end of it with my whole dad thing, I was like, oh my gosh, how did I end up here? How, what am I going to do with my life? But now, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I can see exactly why I was involved in that research then because it's it plays so much into what I do now. So epigenetics is this, um, it's the study of how our genes aren't our destiny. So basically, you know, my dad had cancer. That doesn't mean I'm going to get cancer. If your mom had diabetes, it doesn't mean you're going to have diabetes. You know, we're not fated to anything in life. And for so long, we thought, oh, you know, if I have this gene or this mutation, I'm screwed. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. But epigenetics is how how our human body interacts with our environment. So our stress, our food, our toxins, our water, the people around us, everything, everything to turn our genes on and off. So we have so much control and like so much more than we've ever been taught about how our bodies express themselves. And, you know, it's never too late. And this is I, this is why you hear these miraculous stories of people healing from these crazy diseases. Like it's, you know, it's not a fluke. It's it's honestly never too late. So I just love giving people that hope and that perspective that, you know, even if you've ended up on this health journey for X number of years, there's things that you can do every single day, little tiny things that add up over time to change your life and your your disease risk of whatever that may be. So give us just a, a very high level uh perspective what are some of those things that you can do what are what are some of the offerings that you give to clients as far as uh, you've been on this health journey for a while you're not seeing results like what are some of the, the the larger things that you see that they change and things start to move a little bit faster so one of the, the largest things is removing toxins from our, from our environment and unfortunately and i think this is going to be changing too i think we're on the precipice of you know just people waking up to how toxic our world has become in terms of pollution and just chemicals but um there's a toxic we all have a toxic load if you live in a city there's air pollution right this the things we put like this is what drives me insane is that 
it's legal in North America. I know Europe's a lot stricter, but you know, women, especially the makeup they put on their face, the body lotion, the perfume, the air fresheners, the fabric softener, it all compounds in our body to create a whole bunch of inflammation and stress. And I find that if people are doing all the right things, like, you know, they're eating clean and whole foods and moving their body and drinking lots of water and sleeping well, like the basics, and things aren't shifting, when we remove those toxins, um, like the perfumes, especially synthetic chemicals, things shift. So um, I think a lot of the the cancers that we've seen, a lot of the infertility that we're seeing is due to environmental exposures like that. And it's actually pretty, I mean, we can't clean up all of it because a lot of it is out of our control, but there's a lot that we do have control over and what we can take out. And that helps a lot. Now, one question I've had um, listening to basically a couple podcasts on like quantum biology. Did you study at all like quantum biology or anything along those lines? Not officially, but in my free time. Yes. Yes. Um, so what they're kind of saying is that cancer is typically when a cell stops um, communicating with the other cells, it now becomes a cancer cell because it's not in communion with the rest of the body, right? Yes. Is that there is like pretty much fundamental understanding that's kind of what is happening with with that cell, it's it's essentially su- shut its ability to communicate with other cells down and it, it starts to take on its own life, basically. Yeah. I mean, we're made up of billions of cells and <laughs> it's a community, right? Like I'm pointing to myself. I don't know if people can see me, but yeah. And if if a cell gets separated from that, they they're, they have to fend for themselves. They go on the defense. They start creating their own little ecosystem so it can get out of control. Um, I don't know if I, I love Zach Bush, Dr. Zach Bush. And he has some beautiful perspectives on his podcasts about this idea behind cancer. And it makes total sense to me. Yeah. 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 I love listening to Zach Bush. He's been on a couple of podcasts I've, I've been able to catch. And it's just fascinating to hear that perspective. And again, you talk about like that capital T truth. It's like this resonates so much deeper than any any study, any biological mm-hmm. study of what cancer is and how to remediate cancer and anything like that. It's like, no, you've got to have communication within you know your your cellular structure within your body if you're gonna if you believe that it's gonna all move towards this end goal of uh, the goal being creating a human essentially with uh, that's that's your cell's goal is to create this functioning human body yeah absolutely so and and i think there's a beautiful parallel to what's happening in humanity you know this is where we're at right now we've got traditionally we've had a whole bunch of different cells humans that are in the super organism of humanity and they've all been going in these different directions they've all you know every once in a while they'll be moving towards the same goal and then something will happen they'll splinter now they're moving towards different goals and i think this is the point in humanity where we all begin to start we start to move towards this new goal and what that takes is communication with the intelligence of the universe right it takes that that connection to your soul or to God or to the universe or to, um, you know, intuition, whatever that thing is for you, that's what it's going to take to get us all moving towards that same uh, goal. Because from the individual human perspective, I mean, it's so difficult to conceptualize what it would look like for all of us to be moving together. Just like imagine yourself as a lung cell and you're like, well, what is this thing that I'm in a part of? Like you could you couldn't even imagine the actual scale of what the human body actually is. And that's what we are as humanity or, or as single humans in this human uh, humanity wide 
uh, super organism or, you know, the earth, you could conceptualize it kind of as we're the, the cellular structure of the earth, basically. And that's where we're at. And we need to all kind of tune in and, and tap into our intuition to be able to feel what, where are we moving towards? Like, you know, and we don't have to know, okay, like this is the end goal. This is what we need to be doing. But where, what is my part? Where can I play a better role and not just be directed by other people? Yeah. And I love how just different areas of life, like everything's a mirror for everything else. And sometimes we have to see things in different ways to kind of get the message. But just in parallel and in mirror to what you were saying, I'm, I'm learning this first, I guess, a first time mom. So I have a 15 month old, a new baby on the way in a few weeks. And I always heard about, you know, you need a village and we used to, we used to have these villages to raise children. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And it's hard <laughs> not having a village. And I live in the middle of the biggest city in Canada. And a lot of the time I feel alone and stressed and like, how am I going to do this? And oh my God, there's a second one coming. And how am I going to work? And how am I going to clean and cook and take care of my family? You know, can feel my brain just spiraling. And I don't think it's coincidence that, you know, hundreds of years ago when, or in villages that still exist on earth, where, you know, women especially come together to support new mothers. Mm -hmm. There's less disease. There's less stress. There's more, there's more freedom. There's more peace. And I think that parallels the human body and how it works as well. Like, I was just thinking about that. Like, I can feel as, you know, isolated from a bigger community of, of support. It's stressful. And, like, it causes me to go and do things. So if a cell, if that happens to a cell in the body, it's no wonder that that leads to something, you know, a bit more nefarious health-wise. Right. Yeah. And not not that it's, like, you know, trying to take down the human body, but it's trying to survive. It's trying to it's survive, like trying yeah. to live. It's trying to 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 further propagate itself in a way that it the only way that it knows how to at that point from exactly. its standpoint and then that's where growth at all costs starts to come about it's like yeah okay i have to make myself as big as possible i've got to replicate as much as possible so that i can continue this you know my lineage even though it goes against what all the other cells around me are doing and that's you know kind of what we've been doing in humanity for the last yes yes uh, especially in the business world i mean the growth yeah. at all costs business is I, I don't want to say it's a cancer, but it's it's a it's a cancerous idea that it's you not have sustainable. To, it's at the very least, right? Yeah, yeah, at the yeah, and we've seen you know we're seeing we're bumping up against the limits of its uh, sustainability. We're bumping up against the limits of what is possible when you just set your only goal in business as grow ten percent every single year, regardless of what the outcome is. It's like you have to continue growing and. You know, I, I certainly understand how we got here and why we got here. And there's oh, so many different ideas about, um, you know, the the fractional reserve banking system and what, what role that plays in this growth at all costs and the whether that was done out of just, you know, malice or or, you know, a, a an unknowing of what would come about of that that system. But regardless we have to rethink how we're doing everything. We have to like really put in the thought and and start taking the steps. And and what's beautiful is that there are these counter systems that are being built. Um, this kind of quantum banking system that's that's starting to make a, a pretty big movement. And we're starting to see even the largest companies in the world, even the Black Rocks and Fidelities, they are starting to really see, okay, the quantum this this quantum uh, banking program is 
a viable option for the future. And they're starting to put, you know, uh, I think it was BlackRock was the first one. And then uh, Vanguard, Fidelity, they all kind of fell in line as far as getting into crypto ETFs mm -hmm. and, and really getting into that world. So it's fascinating to see. And I love, it gives me hope that, these superstructures that everybody tries to vilify and say like that this is the reason that everything is wrong that they're actually like putting interest in and trying to see okay what is that and uh guys like um Larry Fink I mean he's he's completely 180 in 2017 18 he was saying that um cryptocurrency was was a joke basically and now he's you know betting uh, 1 to 2% of of the several trillion dollars that they manage on this system so that's very I, cool yeah I'd love to see all of that happening i've actually never heard the term quantum banking so i'm gonna go have to look it up after but i, th I think it's just another example a beautiful example of how there's probably going to be a lot of fear in the collective in the next you know at least starting this year into the next few years because of what we're being fed in the traditional media but there's right. so much going on behind the scenes that yeah are, is already being built and if you can kind of just I don't want to say isolate yourself from the fear, but just learn to be able to hold it and understand that it's all happening for us and beautiful things are transitioning. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, I was I was really feeling into that this morning um, in my meditation and I did a, uh, a really cool, it was basically like aligning to your highest timeline um, with, with somebody who I had had on the show earlier, Magix, and she was basically like aligning us to our highest timeline and, and kind of breaking it down. And that's, that is, it, it kind of dawned on me this morning. It's like, well, you know, your highest timeline could be just a two degree shift. Or if you're on like that old trajectory, I mean, you have to do a full 180 and that's where that fear comes in. That's where that scary aspect is, is when you have to really make gigantic changes, especially in a very short amount of time, which is what we're going to have to do. So the sooner you can start moving your trajectory away from like that old belief system, that old world where we're going to and slowly start creeping it maybe just 1% at a time every couple of weeks, like learn something new, try something out, get a little different perspective on what is really happening. Um, that fear starts to shed. You don't have to go through that that dark night of the soul that you typically go through when you know, you're on this this timeline and all of a sudden everything in your world has changed. Uh, like probably what happened at the end of, uh, you know, your PhD and, and everything happening in that timeline. It's like, oh, shoot, like everything I thought that I was moving towards <laughs> is now not where I need to be moving towards. And yeah. that is a scary place to be. Yeah, I've had many dark nights of the soul. I also went through a divorce after naturopathic school and it was, you know, very like loving and conscious, but still rocked me for a couple of years. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> is this the right thing? So I, I do feel like we're shifting into timelines. Everyone is where maybe we don't have to go into the depths of those huge decisions and pain because, again, people have gone before us to do the work to kind of speed things up a little bit. So people will realize things maybe a little bit faster and not have to uh, experience those. Not that there's anything wrong with going there. I think we have to as humans as well. But yeah, I think you sign up for it before you, you sign come up here. for it. Yeah. 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 It's like, how do you want to experience this shift in consciousness? Do you want to be that first one in 1978 that makes this gigantic conscious leap and then you're like the only one on the planet with this perspective and that's you know just dark night of the soul after dark night after the soul or do you want to be the one that you know they have an awakening in 2012 or 2020 and it's like oh this is you know 
this is scary, but there's also thousands and thousands of other people that have gone through it that are putting out information that are that are on that path and they're they're sharing it with me. So it's yeah, it's fascinating to kind of see where we all fall. And for those that are remaining on that old path that are clinging to that old reality that we were heading towards, they've designed it that way too. Like they're going to experience one of the biggest dark nights of the soul that that their soul may ever experience in, you know, again, it's not too often that an entire planet goes through a shift in consciousness in one generation, generation. of humans. Yeah. Like that that doesn't happen very often in in the universe or the galaxy or however far you can conceptualize out. Uh, again, you and I knowing that that there is life elsewhere in the universe, in the galaxy, you know, maybe even in the solar system. Um, at least at some point in the in the very recent history. So, um, you know, I, again, this is kind of where we're at with with this evolution in consciousness. Like we've all signed up. We're all old souls. We're all here. We've experienced some crazy stuff in in the lineage of our soul path. So we all have the gifts. We all have the abilities to go through this shift in consciousness. We wouldn't have come here if we didn't know that we were capable of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the lessons I learned, just I was in school for a very long time. I added up the years once. It was a long time. But basically nothing I learned at school is what's gotten me to this moment in time. <laughs> you know, so I think that's kind of ironic, too, is like we have to have these conversations with each other, you know, as humanity, as a collective, because we don't learn in school what we, quote unquote, need to know to navigate these times, right? Exactly. What what we're learning in school is what worked 40 or 50 or 70 or a thousand years ago. It's the same thing with the dogmatic practices of religion. It's like, yes, uh, in Christianity, that worked in the 14th century when when we were a completely different society, a completely different uh, scope, scale, level, like everything was different in those times. So if you don't adapt, if your system isn't adapting to the changing of you know, every single generation coming through, well, then it's going to, it's going to be dead wood. It's going to be that old dead wood that either collapses on under its own weight or is burned down when a uh, bolt of lightning hits it. And those are the two options that you have if, if you're not evolving with the natural evolution of, you know, nature. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's alarming to me just as someone who, so I'm not really in clinical practice anymore, but when I was the number of children being diagnosed with ADHD and learning disabilities. And, you know, as a parent now and seeing my friends who have children struggling in the school system that was designed, you know, for the industrial revolution to train children right. to sit in class. And I want to say, like, what if there's nothing wrong with your child? What if, you know, they just need to run outside and feel the sun and like scream, you know, but I think we're getting there with conversation around that. I know it's kind of it's a hot topic right now, but that's that's one thing I think about a lot lately is just how to change the school system. And, you know, na I know nature schools are popping up and, you know, a lot more people, especially after COVID, are homeschooling and have these pods and stuff. But I think there's just so much hope for the next generation if we can help them, help children learn, you know, this is an emotion. It's okay to feel. It's okay to cry. You know, get curious, ask questions. Don't just sit there and memorize this textbook. Yeah. And I talked to a lot of especially early education teachers that are bringing that into the classroom. Uh, you know, they're bringing in 
yoga, mindfulness practices, talking about their emotions at four, five, six, seven years old. And it's like, well, that's perfect. Like that's exactly when they need to be learning about this stuff. So it, it is cool to see a, that the system is kind of shifting and the people that are in the system are also shifting their perspective. Yeah. They're taking an active role in shifting. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what this younger generation, that's what, um, you know, the, the, the young millennials and, uh, the generation, uh, the Gen Zers, you know, they're not waiting for somebody to to do the work for them. They are actually going out and, and getting it done. They're taking care of it. They know what they're here to experience. And again, you know, you could you could conceptualize this on like a higher um, a higher dimensional plane is that all of these souls that are coming in have that ability. They are already connected to their true essence, why they're here, what they're meant to do. They don't have to go out and figure it out over 30 or 40 or 50 years uh, until they figure out, oh, this is what I'm here to do. Because there's the belief and there's the um, the energetic, uh, the higher energy on the planet that has them connected back to their source, to their energy, to their soul. Uh, so they already know what they need to do. And they're, yeah, they're not waiting. They're not being indoctrinated into a system that doesn't allow them to do that for, uh, you know, at, at least for me, it took me 33 years to, to figure yeah. out to even start on the path of figuring it out. And then it's taken me another three years since then to, to really understand what it is that I'm here to do and why I'm here and what are my, what are my gifts? What are my skills? And, um, you know, kind of understand it from a higher level perspective. So it's, it's awesome to see that these younger kids, and, and that's what for you and I, I mean, we should be kind of almost looking towards those kids to, to find what are the answers? Like what, what have you come here to share? Um, I see it all the time on, Social media, you've got these like six, seven, eight year olds that are just espousing the most, the deepest wisdom, wisdom that I've yeah. ever heard. It's like, okay, yes, let's go. Like, let's, let's tell get me those more. Kids. Tell me more. Yeah. yeah let's, <laughs> let's get go, those kids in front of a television screen. Let's run them for the presidency. Like, forget about these octogenarians that were running for president. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very hopeful for, for the future of humanity, but. I did want to get to a little bit about you talk a lot about essentially aligning the mind, body and spirit. I think that's a lot of what your work is. So I kind of want to get into a little bit about that as well before we um, kind of wrap this up. So tell us, you know, what what is your perspective on the alignment of mind, body and spirit and how that all plays in, into a healthy human being? Yes. So as you said, I think it's it's going to be a lot different for the next generation if they're being quote unquote, conditioned in different ways. But I think like at least my, so I'm 41. My generation um, was conditioned to keep it very separate, right? Like, I, you know, you're in school, you're there for your mind. Don't cry, do your work, be good. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, all of our systems were like that. So health as well. Like I was lucky growing up that I didn't get to, I was never seriously ill, but my mom was a nurse. And, you know, I never heard her talk about the mind, body, spirit. It was all, you know, people are sick. I get them better. You know, it, it was all about the body. So I really think that we can't have true health if you're not acknowledging your mind, body, and spirit. And I would have, you know, maybe 10 years ago argued that it could just be the the body and the mind. But I, I had this weird relationship with spirit. I was raised Catholic, kind of stepped back from the Catholic church and really kind of had to find God again in my own way. Um, and lean into that divine wisdom again. But 
that guides everything. And if we we don't we we can't align that to our body and our mind, I think a lot of the messages get lost. And yeah, I, I could. Yeah, it's kind of a it's a really like random abstract conversation. Well, that's what we're here to do. Yeah, like let's let's get into it. I, I definitely agree with you that that we've almost compartmentalized our spiritual aspect. And yes. for a lot of people, it's, you know, Sunday at 1030, that was their spiritual aspect. And then at 1130, it was mind and body. And usually it was just either mind or either body. A lot of people really picked one or the other. You went into, um, you know, the academia, but you completely forgot about your human body or you went into uh, some type of, you know, work that required your body and you kind of left the mind separate from that. It was just, I go, I go do this, I get done. And then maybe I work a little bit on my mind or my, my, um, you know, a little bit about your spirituality. But I think we're at the point where we can essentially combine all of those. And that that's, you know, bringing a little bit of spirituality into all of the aspects that we're, that we're dealing with on a daily life. So work, um, you know, school systems, government systems. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, the wisdom of these religions and philosophies, I mean, it's all there. Like it, all that intelligence is there. We've just kind of, we've removed it from all the other aspects of our lives. And it's like, well, it doesn't, it, it can't work that way. It's just like removing a cell from, you know, communicating with the rest of the body. It, it, becomes a cancerous cell. Yeah. So. And that's why people get, they don't get better. Yeah. Um, one of the things that kind of brought me back to spirituality was, I don't know if you're familiar with Cryon. Do you know Cryon? Yeah. Okay. So if, I was reading the work of Cryon. So Cryon, I think it's, he's, it is an entity that is channeled through a human and you can read the channels. So I was reading the channels and then Jesus came up in the conversation and I was still at that point where I was kind of like, oh, just because not, not about Jesus and God, but just, I just had this really I had to untangle myself from the church, as I said. But he just talked about Jesus was human, but what made him so miraculous and what made him, you know, the example that he was setting was what's what's possible when our DNA is activated from every dimension. And, you know, that caught my attention as someone that had studied epigenetics. And I was like, huh, like, what if, what if we have this epigenetic potential to, like, unlock a lot of the DNA? So, um we have something in, in DNA called junk DNA. Like scientists have literally called it junk DNA because they don't know what it does. And it's like 97% of our DNA. And I that never sat right with me. And I, I always thought to myself, it has to do something. Like 97% of our DNA cannot just be there. Oh, it's just there. Like, it's just, could, you could you imagine like your cells taking all that energy to replicate 97% yeah. of the DNA that didn't mean anything? Like it yeah. just doesn't make sense from a biological standpoint. Exactly. So what Kryon was saying was basically what happens is as we remember what we're here to do, where we've come from, as we expand, we activate more of this junk DNA, junk, quote unquote junk. And that's what Jesus had the capability of doing. Like he had activated a lot, like so much of his DNA that he had this capacity to perform miracles. And what did it was the energy of love. So that brought me back to like the whole point of spirituality is love. And like, can we love each other? Can we love the world? Can we love our journey? And that was just a really grounding, peaceful realization yeah. for me. Yeah. Love, love is definitely from my perspective, it's the glue that holds everything together. So whether it's the communication at a cellular level, a communication at the human level, a, a communication from as we become a multi, um, 
solar species like we'll be communicating with other beings in the universe or in the galaxy to start and you know that love is what shows us and glues us together it's the binding force that brings us back together whereas you know typically hate or uh separation is what tears us apart and, and that's the whole idea uh ken wilbur talks about this in spiral dynamics that you know essentially every time you take a spiral up you become a bigger part or another part of something bigger than yourself that you thought you were before. So every spiral that you go up, it's not that you're learning new lessons, you're just learning lessons from a higher perspective, from understanding that you're more than just you know a cell, you're more than just an organ, you're more than just a human being, you're actually a spiritual being having a, a human interaction. Um, and as you continue to spiral up and up and up, that your understanding starts to unlock all of these. Uh, again, there's a lot of, third dimensional DNA that it unlocks as well, but there's multi dimensions of your DNA. Your, yeah. your soul has DNA. Mm -hmm. Your spirit has DNA. The archangelic beings have DNA. When you get up into, you know, the, even the highest levels like that, there's 12th dimensional, yes. 13th dimensional DNA that, that you're starting to unlock and experience. And again, if this doesn't make any sense to you, you know, you're just, it's just, it's very difficult to conceptualize from the human mind. Yeah, um, yeah. You have you have to really escape from the human mind and get into a higher perspective. But I um, think that's actually what the book was called, the Cryon book. I think it was called like the twelve levels of DNA or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, as you just said, like tying it back to the mind, body, spirit. I think that's exactly. I think it's natural for people when they kind of make this realization that okay, I'm more than just my mind, but now I have to figure out. How do I get there? And that was my yeah. journey. I, I outsourced a lot of my power. Like, okay, this astrologer will tell me, this mm -hmm. practitioner will tell me, this coach will help me. And I was just trying to figure it out without understanding that, you know, emotions are stored in our body and I can do whatever I want with my mind. But if I don't, you know, learn how to release those, nothing I do with my mind will bring me into alignment. And if I don't appreciate the magic of being human and, you know, the levels of our DNA and that we're guided by this divine force who loves me, even if I'm being super hard on myself, I'm never going to be in alignment. So that's where I think the balance of the mind, body, spirit awareness comes in. Yeah, yeah, that's beautifully well said. I think that that kind of sums up the whole idea of, of really truly aligning those. And um, you know, what are what are some some steps that you have people take to to truly align that to to really line up their mind, body, spirit. I think it's just helping them at first understand that you can't force it and that defeats the whole purpose. You know, people will hire me as a coach or come expecting to be fixed. And that was my whole thing about stepping out of clinical practice was that I don't want to be your guru. I'm not here to fix you. I believe that I have the power to hold space for you to have a safe environment to explore all of these things. And I can bring my experience and my knowledge and my wisdom into it to guide the process. But I really want people to understand that the power lies within themselves. And that's, again, that's the magic that a lot of us have to remember <laughs> and wake up to. Um, but the first step would just be learning that you can change your mind. As you said, the children of today don't have that conditioning. Like they just spew it off. But, you know, it took me 30 years, it took you 33 years to realize, like, wait a second, I don't have to believe that, even though yeah. I've believed it my whole life. So just how that's that's big for people like that's been a big journey with my mom. I'm really proud of my mom, actually. I don't think she'll ever get to the plate. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say that. She has the potential. She has the potential. 
I, she's, she hasn't shown uh, excessive interest, shall we say, in like learning about quantum banking, for example. But I have to give her credit in that she's been very receptive to observing me and just seeing how I've shifted my whole life. And I know that she was scared for me too. Like she tried to talk me out of my divorce. She tried to talk me out of, you know, why, why rock the boat, Laura? Everything's fine. And I was like, mom, I'm not okay with being fine. And I'm going to show you, like, we can expand ourselves. So she's been very receptive to, oh, wait a second. Okay. And anyway, uh, but it rocks people's boats that, you know, I can change my mind. I can think new thoughts. So just helping people understand that you have to start there, just being open to that idea. Um, and then reconnecting with nature. Like so many of us spend so much time inside now and um, at our computers. But again, which technology is not a problem, doesn't have to be a problem, but our, bo- our human bodies were designed to evolve with nature and you have to fuel with nature, like sun in your eyes in the morning, grounding your feet on the earth, you know, smell. I have a whole bunch of essential oils behind me, like smelling pure essential oils is the quickest way to kind of calm your whole nervous system. So getting back to the basics, not sexy. I, I don't believe in biohacking. I believe we're beyond biohacking. Like, why do we want to hack? We don't have to hack anything. Like, right. we're we're whole. We're just, we have to remember how to do, to just exist on this earth plane. Um, so I kind of roll my eyes when I hear people talking about biohacking. Um, I'm like, it's just not, again, it's not sustainable. It's a very mind-led approach yes. to a holistic you yeah. Know, idea. Yeah. Like, let's not hack anything. Let's Let's create sustainable shifts that, you know, expand you to be here the rest of your life yeah and that this is where i love the kind of solar punk movement which Mm. is um essentially they believe that technology and nature can coexist in a very harmonious way we can design all of society to be able to a use all of the technology that we've adapted plus any you know the technology is only speeding up as far as the advancement of the technology so continuing to use that, but in a way that also aligns with the natural progression of the universe. And and that's kind of uh, the solar punk perspective is that that's where we're moving. So um, there's a couple other offshoots of solar punk. There's like lunar punk, which is like, essentially everything has to go underground. Technology is going to take over and we're going to um, have to hide from that technology that we've created. Um, they're kind of, they're in the same boat as the um, technological butterfly people who believe that humanity is essentially the larvae for this technology that we're creating. And when we create this final technology, it just kind of does away with the old system and it, it becomes the new conscious technology. I have a problem with that. I don't think you can have a necessarily like a non-carbon based um, uh, being that is also connected to the intelligence of the universe. I think that kind of goes against the idea of like a natural evolution. So that's just my perspective. That's what I get when I really yeah, delve into that. That but, lands as truth for me too. I'm just, yeah. these are like, I'm like, all these new phrases I need to go look up after. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. It'll come to me. But, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like, that's what I align with the, the, the idea of like the solar punk movement and that, yeah. that we can create this harmonious existence between technology yeah. and between nature. And, you know, humans can still do all the things that they normally did. Also, they don't have to do it. You know, you don't have to be on the, the Savannah plane for 40 hours a day looking for, or 40 hours a week looking for food. Like Absolutely. you can, we can create food. We can, we can build a society that doesn't have to do that. We can focus more on, uh, again, 
I think where humanity is moving towards is becoming kind of the stewards of this balanced approach between uh, physicality and spirituality mm -hmm. and stewarding that across, you know, the galaxy, the the closer galaxies, maybe the entirety of the universe. Again, as you start to really delve into what these um, what your teacher was calling uh, these Syrian beings, essentially what all they are are us in the future. It's just a future version of ourselves that is coming back into this timeline, into this time and space to guide and show and share and and kind of shape the way that humanity evolves. So essentially it's just us coming back. And and I kind of I conceptualized this a couple of weeks ago where I was doing a practice where I was going back and I was leaning into an experience uh, of when the first time that I felt um, separate from myself. And it was back when I was like two years old. And I went back when I was two years old and I consoled myself in that moment, like in, in the memory of myself, I was in that space. And that changed the trajectory of who I was from then on. So essentially, that's what these beings are doing. They're coming back to an old version of themselves, an old energy that is still themselves, but it's just a, in a different timeline. And they're helping, they're guiding, they're sharing, they're they're communing with us. They're sharing with us, uh, again, these new ways of how can we be healthy? How can we align uh, mind, body, soul? How can we, um, you know, build a better governmental system, a better business system, a better financial system, like all of these different things. It's not that we're creating all of these new things from out of nowhere. Like we're literally tapping into the intelligence of the universe to bring them into this realm so yeah it's it's uh you know just just a part of the process like we're always just basically going back in time to help guide the, the previous versions of ourself and and by helping heal those wounds from our previous selves we improve our current self and that that is what is happening right now there's all these beings that are improving us they're pouring into us all of this information to improve their future reality when in reality everything is happening all at the same time yes. there is no that's such the thing mind as like, time what? and space yeah um yeah i love just when i woke up to the idea that there's these syrian guides pleiadian guides and they're just waiting to be asked like they won't ever i've been told they won't ever just kind of impose themselves on you but if you ask for their guidance and their mm -hmm. support they'll be there and I can't remember where I heard this or read this, but like the fall of Atlantis, I love learning about Lemuria and Atlantis. And I've, I've read that the fall of Atlantis was because of their relationship with technology and it just like right. collapsed everything. And now we're in this real opportunity to redefine our relationship with technology, to not repeat that. Um, and maybe that's what they're helping us do right now. And I love, I love that idea of the solar, what, what did you call it? Solar? Solar uh, punk. Solar punk. Yeah. Solar punk. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be an interesting time for humanity. And I think, I think uh, again, it, from my perspective, the belief in the future that you think is going to happen is what manifests in your reality. So if you have these very limited beliefs, that's the only thing that can manifest in your reality. If you have these expanded beliefs, then, then a lot more is possible. It's not just A or B that could happen. It's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like all of these possibilities kind of come into perspective. So. Mm -hmm. The more you can expand your understanding, the more you can expand your consciousness, the the better the outcomes that are possible 
can that that can manifest into your reality and not just our personal reality but this is one thing i've had to really lean into is for for several years i was really focused on my reality and i struggled with and i don't know if this is your journey too but when bad stuff happens in the world like how do i how do i be there for that while still believing that you know i create my reality so the the, the right. whole situation right now in the middle east i'm like it's really perplexing and you know how how do I in good conscience focus on my reality and creating abundance this year when that, like, all that's going on? And I I just what I lean into is you know you can show up and advocate for that, and you, I think if you believe in it you should, but just don't underestimate the power of the human collective. And if we're all just open to the idea that we do create our reality, and we combine those forces, things shift in right. like maybe a butterfly effect way. Um, and I I just think people kind of fall into despair and hopelessness and like oh what's the point and I think you can just have you can have both and that that's part of what I love helping people understand as well is like how do I hold everything about being human because it's good and it's bad it's not always going to be good you know I totally believe we create our reality and like I want it to be good but I also think that's just not life on earth and how do how do we how do we move forward and hold that at the same time Exactly. Yeah. You exist in a collective reality. Like there, there's no, you can't deny that you're not existing in this collective reality, but you get to choose what you put your energy into. Exactly. Yes. You can put, you can have awareness of everything else that's going on, but as long as you're not sending energy to that, whether that's, you know, hate or love, you know, it, 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 it's kind of tricky. Like you have to find that balance because when you send that, that lower density, um, you know, when you send hate over towards, another person because they attacked somebody else or something like that you're adding fuel to the fire <laughs> um, if you can send love to both sides love to the people who are hurt love to the people who also are perpetrating that thing then that is kind of again love is the answer i mean it, yeah it, it just fundamentally is so um it, it's yeah it, it is it's hard there's really no other words to share besides love is the answer. yeah it's the I mean, mantra that, for 2024 that's that's yeah. it Beautiful. Well, Laura, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've truly enjoyed everything that we got into, all the um, talking points. I'm glad that I could share a little bit of information with you. Uh, hopefully you can get some research into some of the the fun topics that we went through. Um, for anybody that is looking to get in contact with you, that is looking to work with you, what's the best place uh, to send them? Um, I love hanging out on Instagram as my social media platform so of choice. So that's Dr. Laura Hughes. So D-R, like my name. And then my website's just drlaurahughes.com. And I love, I love just having conversation with people. So feel free just to say hi via my contact form or say hi, say hi on Instagram. And yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm glad we could do this in the new year. And I wish you a wonderful, prosperous 2024, as well as best of luck with the second child on the way. Thank you. Thank you. All right, have a good Thank one. you again for listening to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the podcast, hit the bell to know when a new show comes out, share with a friend, and rate us on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It helps get these messages out to more people to create the collective shift in reality we are here to experience. Make sure you interact with the Q&A and poll sections of the show so I can continue to provide content you enjoy. Finally, Check out my website in the show notes to become a VIP of Changing the Channel and join the shift that is happening.